welcome to the Open Revolution podcast. This is episode 10 as we follow James Smith as he runs uh, as a candidate for a member of parliament for Horsham uh, in the upcoming general election. Uh, now, exactly three months away as of a couple of days ago when everyone was saying it on the news. And apparently that was big news <laughs> to say that. Um, I, uh, how, how are James? How are you doing? I'm all right. Thank you, Charlie. Yeah. I'm doing very well. Um, um, it's been an lo- interesting uh, couple of weeks here. Yes. yes, busy, I imagine. Yeah, definitely. Well, we heard that uh, that the Conservative uh, member wouldn't be standing again, so that's uh, right, of course. that's kind of opened things up a bit, that's or at least news. at least it means there'll have to be more debate um, because even the Conservatives will have to try and introduce themselves to everyone. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be good. Is there a is there an identity to the not yet? Person? No. Oh, okay. Frankie, they're leaving that a bit late, aren't they? They are. The whole announcement was quite late, actually. Um, yes, I imagine there's a, a deal of panic in the local Conservative Association. So maybe if you start, if you change the um, something new uh, name to Conservative, then people <laughs> might accidentally vote for you and you can get in there. I think the uh, yeah the Electoral Commission have things to say about that kind of thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, and that's the reason I'm not standing and you are. There we go. Uh, and you've uh, been doing um, sort of, I guess you'd say, town hall meetings, or uh, uh, how would you describe them every Tuesday? Are you still doing those? Yeah, yeah. We've been going consistently with those since the new year. Um, and they're, uh, yeah, ongoing now. They'll be every week between now and the election. They're, they're and, always good fun. There's uh, always good conversations to be had, so... Yeah, are, you, it's great. are you noticing a sort of uptick in interest as the election gets closer? Or is it sort of bubbling along, or it's you know a, a slight a slight upturn maybe yeah. as people are starting to think about it more and look around at the options. Sure. The nice thing is we're we're now starting to appear on um, things like the you know campaign mail outs and things like that. So you know if people are members of a particular mm-hmm. charity, they'll probably have an email your candidate campaign, and so we're starting to see those coming in. Oh, wow. uh, which is uh, which is great uh, because it you know tells us what people are interested in and uh, sure. and lets us uh, get back to them on uh, on where we stand, which is which is a nice thing to be able to do. And I, I didn't keep up with developments uh, regarding the television debate. Uh, it's a cast of thousands. That yes. uh, uh, did something you managed to get a podium in there, or <laughs> are you still working? on No, that? no, no. We're uh, no. Sadly, you know, and and controversially left out (laughs) (laughs) no so we've got now the uh i don't know exactly the uh the setup i think the first one is what six parties or something now um but that's you know that's good it'll uh it'll expose some voices that don't normally get exposed um what we're going to do though is going to be quite fun we're going to uh record our own responses and put them out on youtube that is a very interesting idea. Okay. Yes, it's yeah. not mine. Um, okay, <laughs> there's a, a, a good friend of mine called Ed Downing who came up with that. Um, okay, and that's I think a really really great idea. So we're going to try and record the debates, answer our questions, answer the questions sure. as soon as possible, sure. and then get it out online straight away. Okay, uh, which will be fun. Yeah. Oh, very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, will you will you um, will be doing that trying try to do that simultaneously with the debate, or will you be doing it sort of in the immediate aftermath? Or we'll be trying to do it as quickly as possible. I don't know quite how it's going to work yet, but uh, but it's definitely something we want to have a go at. Yeah, so it's fascinating. <laughs> um, well, um, this week uh, we're we're continuing to look at the um, uh, manifesto, um, which. Uh, uh, listeners can find at openpolitics.org.uk. Uh, the next item on the agenda um, is foreign policy. 
Um, obviously, uh, a very significant part of any uh, government administration, um, especially with events in the world being as they are. Um, uh, I, I mean, there are there are various items uh, in the uh, manifesto relating to uh, Britain's role in uh, international organisations. I guess. Um, I don't know whether it's first and foremost among them, but the EU is obviously looms large. Um, and, you know, I think uh, the, the manifesto uh, states that that, um, that the open uh, politics has a sort of pro-EU stance in that it wants to be an active participant in the European Union. Um, and people, I don't think we're going to change any minds in the course of this podcast, uh, one way or the other, uh, perhaps. But what I think um, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on, or maybe is just if we just hone in on one not so random example of how Britain can uh, be of an influence um, when it comes to the topic of Greece. Obviously, they've just had their elections, um, and uh, quite a controversial uh, new party now in power, um, causing lots of. Uh, uh, consternation around the rest of Europe and uh, a little bit of worry about how that's going to turn out. Uh, first of all, I mean, do you have any thoughts on the Greek election itself? But mainly, um, what 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 can Britain do to help bring about some sort of satisfactory uh, resolution or, or um, way forward with regards to Greece? That's a really interesting question um, and an interesting framing of the question as well. Um, so... It's great to see um, democracy being executed in Greece. That's brilliant. Um, and seeing uh, what's been really interesting is to see a party come in that doesn't uh, conform to the, the sort of accepted norms of um, how we go about doing things. Um, there was a quote from uh, the uh, uh, Tsipras, the, the leader today, I think, um, that he would, you know, what they want to do is they want to put their their people first above all else so that is above the needs of international financial markets above the needs of um you know their creditors and so on so and i think that's a good thing um i think that's what countries should be doing um and it's really uh, quite interesting to see that happen in greece where it's not happened anywhere for a long time um that that sort of you know let's put society and people at the top, not not you know not not the only thing. Obviously, you know finance is important. Economy is very important. You know you have to have a functioning economy for your people to be able to have a good society. But the aim is to have a good society, not to have um, a particular number on on this economic chart going up. So um, I think you know that that sort of refocusing and statement of uh, objectives I think is uh, is really encouraging to see and it's been quite funny to watch the uh the reactions of uh, of all the other uh, countries around europe going oh you, you can't go around saying things like that <laughs> it's that's not how we do things um so no I'm, I'm really interested to see how it'll turn out um and i don't know i'm not sure is there a problem that needs to be solved i think the uh, the people of greece have had their uh, their their say and uh, what will uh, what will happen will happen. Obviously, there's you know various financial things to be sorted out, but we'll work through those. <laughs> so, so I, I don't know. I mean, the, the, you know, the, the euro took a bit of a tumble uh, on the election, and you know, it's 
whether it's an existential crisis or not, I don't think I'm in a position to say. If uh, if uh, Greece defaults on its um, vast uh, loans, but surely, you know, I think you you uh, you know I was I, I had the the phrase populist dog whistle uh, floating around my head, but actually I think you've you've credibly sort of allayed those or assuaged those uh, fears. Uh, <laughs> At least for the purpose of this podcast, but surely that there is a there is a huge problem with the euro. And okay, Britain's not in the euro, but Britain's in Europe. And what happens in on the mainland uh, has a direct impact on us. What what can Britain and what would uh, a something new uh, uh, influence uh, on uh, British policy abroad bring about? What would what would your goals be? Is it just to you know, I, I presume it's not necessarily laissez-faire. Oh, let the Greeks get on with it, and we'll see what happens. It's you know, you, there's. Do, do you do you act? You can't at the same time. You also can't probably act purely out of self-interest uh, for Britain. Britain has to have you know, have some sort of role whereby it's trying to help the Greek people as well as helping its own uh, people. What where where does where where would uh, the role differ from? what we currently do uh if that's not too open-ended a question for you so i think at the moment we we kind of so like you say we're, we're not part of the euro so the way that um obviously greece's relationship with the euro is something that the eurozone has to work out and i would point out in this question i am not an economist <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Me I don't know Let's the detail right so um <laughs> What's, which is why I say that what I'm really encouraged by is that is the fact that the government have have said sure. you know we're gonna we're gonna put society at the top of our yeah. uh, agenda, yeah, um, which is really encouraging. But I do you know we you do have to work out all the other things and make sure that obviously by doing that it doesn't cause you know currencies to collapse and and terrible things to happen across Europe. So yes, there's always going to be a a balance. I would want a much better economist than me to work those out what's really interesting is that greece have put in as their finance minister a professor of economics um as opposed to ours who is a i believe a modern history uh, graduate and a failed journalist i think well not really yeah, an economist so that there's lots of uh, lots of finance ministers going you, you can't go around putting an economist in charge of the economy <laughs> it'll make the rest of us look bad yeah exactly exactly <laughs> Um, the, uh, we're going to move away from uh, Europe. Um, I think the <laughs> Speak next. For yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm paddling as fast as I can. I'm pushing on Dover. Uh, um, Did you see Al Murray's uh, Al Murray's announcement? We'll we'll leave uh, we'll leave Europe by 2025, and we'll leave the solar system by 2050. <laughs> I didn't see that. <laughs> um, uh, the the next two questions I have are sort of uh, one will probably bleed into the other. Um, again, I, I, I think, you know, we, we can talk in sort of very broad uh, terms about uh, foreign policy. And I think that, that gives uh, anyone a sort of lot of leeway to dispense a lot of highfalutin language that doesn't actually mean anything. Mm, yeah. um, but, OK, let's talk about ISIS. That is not necessarily an existential threat to us in the West, but, you know... Up, uh, up till very recently, Britain has assumed, uh, on whatever basis, uh, 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 you know, one of the leading roles in trying to, um, quote unquote, bring peace to the Middle East. Um, 
ISIS is as nasty a thing as we've seen, and what you know? How would uh, what's your what's your opinion on what Britain what what Britain's role should be in you know? I think we can all agree ISIS need to go. In however however that might happen, what what how do you see Britain's role in that? So I think when it comes to things like that, and, and you're you're right, you know what what they do is is. Um, you know, barbaric and uh, and shouldn't be allowed in a civilized world. But we shouldn't be doing these things unilaterally. And and I think the uh, you know the the problems we often have when it comes to going into places and uh, trying to deal with them is we don't bring everybody else along with us. We're not necessarily going through through the UN through the various channels there. Now there are issues with that in that. You know, there are various vetoes and things that would mean that getting UN action is extremely difficult. Um, for a start, that shouldn't be a thing. <laughs> that <laughs> yes. should be that should be more democratic. But uh, the, I, th- I think you know, you you have to um, to go through that process. You have to build that consensus, um, and then you know, it needs to be in a sort of international policing sort of effort rather than a. Um, you know, unilateral. We're going to go and start bombing people uh, just because uh, we've decided that we don't like them. Um, so, so you'd, I, you'd I, say and that I, Britain I they're be... probably not. Sorry. You know, they're not likable people, right? So yeah. that's, no. <laughs> I'm not saying they are. I, but I I'm put saying you we on need the side to... of many horrible people throughout these podcasts. I'm not going to put you in bed with ISIS. <laughs> not this time. Even I won't see you. Last time was worse. Uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but again, I mean. You don't see Spain feeling any massive urge uh, to stick their oar in in uh, in the Middle East, in you know, in ISIS, and we, you know, maybe that that we're similar in a way with Spain than we are not with many other countries in the world. You know, we're similar size, similar land mass, you know, similar population. We're probably a bit better off than the Spanish, but you know. Relatively speaking, we're we're close to the Spanish, but you don't see the Spanish sort of beating the drum or saying we've got to do anything. What's wrong with Britain sort of just taking a back seat and letting the UN, however dysfunctional, do what it needs to do or wants to do, and we just go along with the rest? I think this then bleeds into the other question I was going to ask: is you know the UK has an outsized role in the world uh, compared mm. to yeah. We punch above our weight, I think, is the phrase yes, that gets yeah, yeah. banded around a lot. And um, a lot of people argue that's because of our nuclear deterrent. Um, I don't think it's solely that. I think, you know, it's trade has a lot to do with it as well. But, you know, is is that a net benefit to the UK? Is that a position you'd want to seek to maintain and improve? Or would you think it's more sensible to become more Spanish or Swedish? No, I, I think I think we can and we should attempt to keep that that leadership role in the world um we've you know we've given a lot of uh, a lot of advances to the world we're you know we, we've ended up in this situation like you say punching above our weight we should be proud of that um not necessarily of how we went about it but <laughs> um but of the fact that we we do have this influence but we should use it correctly um you know we, we shouldn't be using it to just decide uh, you know what we're going to do. We we can show leadership, perhaps in the uh, in the UN and in other organisations, so that we can say, look, you know, to use your example, Spain. Yeah. You know, yeah. this is a 
this is a problem that is uh, going to affect all of us. Let's all, you know, do this police action together. Yeah. Um, so I, I think there is, there is, you know, leadership is is important, and but holding ourselves at a higher uh, to a sort of a higher standard is a uh, is an important part of that. Um, and a quick one sentence answer: Would you keep the nuclear deterrent? No. One oh, word. <laughs> no, two, sen- I mean, two sentences though, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Unless it was no comma, one word. Anyway, <laughs> is no um, sentence. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, okay, it, we're going to we're going to leave that there. Uh, there's uh, one thing else that uh, leaps out at me from the manifesto, and that's only because I didn't really understand it. Um, item seven on the manifesto is investor state dispute settlement, and it mentions TTIP, which sounds vaguely rude. Um, what, what's what's that about? So yeah, this is probably something that should be explained better in the manifesto. Actually, um, there's this thing called TTIP, which is uh, the Transatlantic Trade and Investment Partnership, and it's essentially a uh, free trade agreement uh, between various countries, uh, the US and the EU, uh, and um, I can't remember who else is involved. I think it's mainly those. And one of the it, it's you know there's a whole bunch of stuff about uh, free freedom of trade about um, you know there's a lot of these bilateral trade agreements around the world. But what's starting to come into them are these things called investor state dispute settlement clauses, and that is a thing whereby it gives foreign investors the right to take. Uh, sorry, it gives investors the right to take foreign governments to court um, for things like loss of earnings, for you know, for undermining their ability to make a profit, mm-hmm. and that's really, really worrying. So it can have a a very sort of chilling effect on government policy, for instance. So one of the real worries with this is with the NHS. So you could say if the government says. Well, private companies at, at the moment, you know, if you're in a situation at the moment where there are certain things that private companies can't can't bid for or can't do in the NHS, mm-hmm. you could um, a, a, the ISDS thing opens up to foreign uh, foreign investors, foreign companies to be able to say that's uh, anti-competitive against our business. We're going to take you to court over it, uh, which is quite worrying, and it means that actually, you know, if you're opening up your you know the the voters of the UK decide uh, who gets to form the government, the government form policy, and so on. Yeah. The there is no part of that where uh, companies, uh, international companies, uh, companies from other countries have a say in what we do. Yeah. Uh, but the worry with with ISDS uh, clauses is that they have this this effect whereby the government wouldn't put anything into place that would jet that would possibly get them taken to court, for instance. But then um, presumably they get taken to court in the UK. In that example, does that not then mean that they the litigator would have to be in good standing, and could the you know the, the presiding judge or whatever not just throw them out, or is that too much of a executive decision? I'm not exactly is... sure of the enforcement. I think it's at an international level, so there is okay. um, because it's under that trade agreement, and trade agreements are quite often uh, supersede sort of national law. The the Disturbing thing is, so so these are clauses that have been around a little while. What we're starting to see is them being applied very aggressively, particularly in places like South America, where uh, governments with uh, nationalised utilities, for instance, are being 
taken to court by foreign energy companies or mm. things like that, which is a really disturbing thing for sovereignty. You know, the uh, a lot of people talk about an imaginary uh, loss of sovereignty to the EU, um, whereas in fact, in that case, everything goes through our own parliament and we still get to vote yeah. on it, so we're not losing any sovereignty. Yeah. Um, but in this case, we really are. Um, so I think this is much more much more worrying. And and so what would <clears throat> what would your policy be? Is that just get rid of those clauses from? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think you would. Okay. Yeah, you wouldn't want to adopt any treaty that contains that kind of clause. I don't think. Um, you know, you're exposing yourself to to massive liability and and to be able and to not be able to represent the will of your people. And I think mm. that's not something a government should voluntarily do. Mm. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Um, as ever, we end our uh, podcast with the uh, softball trivia question that <laughs> is meant to lose you yet another part of the voting demographic. Um, it's slicing it down narrowly, we, narrowly. We must have we must have got rid of them all by now. Most. Surely. <laughs> so uh, it's a slightly different trivia question this time. Um, if uh, by shaving your beard off you would uh, guarantee yourself more votes, would you do it? <laughs> Guarantee myself more votes? Oh no, 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 no! I think if I could guarantee something useful, then uh, then that would be probably worth doing. But uh, the beard <laughs> how many, stays. How many more votes? Well, this is it. I just uh, uh, <clears throat> if it's two, then you feel a bit of a plum. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I uh, you know, wear a beard myself, so I feel that's that's. You, shaving yours off surely would be worth more votes than mine. Oh, I'd shave mine off for half a bag of grapes and a curly whirly. I'm very low rent. So. <laughs> I'll remember that. <laughs> uh, okay, well, thank you very much for listening. And if, for more information, please visit horsham.somethingnew.org.uk. Or go to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash somethingnewhorsham. Or go to openpolitics.org.uk uh, for the manifesto. If you've got any questions uh, you want to be asked in the podcast, then... Uh, please send them to at have some new on Twitter with the hashtag open Horsham. Uh, but for now, thank you very much, James, and speak to you soon. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.